right. I welcome you all to another episode of the Cosmic Matrix podcast with your host today, Bernhard Gunther. And today I'm very much looking forward to talk to David Whitehead. And I have been on David's podcast a few weeks ago and we had a great time diving deep into many topics and we discussed QAnon, that article I wrote and went into all kinds of different areas. And um, first, let me introduce my guest. Uh, David Whitehead is a full-time podcaster, martial artist, coach, entrepreneur, and public speaker with a lifetime of study and interest in esoteric information, philosophy, comparative religion, and mythology, ancient and modern, modern mysteries, the paranormal, and current geopolitical events. David is an avid adventurer and independent researcher with his personal quest to seek answers to many challenging questions of our time. The basis of his work is founded on a sincere pursuit of truth, wherever it may lead, with an emphasis on facing and conquering fear and self-imposed limitation, which often get in the way of our physical, mental, and spiritual development. David's work and projects are dedicated to providing information on many levels and to assist in educating and empowering those who take the path of self-discovery about the problems and challenges we face in the world today and the real solutions available to anyone brave enough to face these challenges. And uh, he has two amazing podcasts. One is the Truth Warrior podcast. You can find it at dwtruthwarrior.com. And he also does really fascinating podcast episodes with Michael Cesarion on unslaved.com. Welcome to the show, David. Hey, Bernhard, so good to see you. And oh, thanks for that introduction. Um, yeah, my elevator pitch is rather long as to what I do. When people ask me, what do you do? I kind of don't know where to start. I do a lot of different things. I'm passionate about these subjects just as you are. And by the way, I'm getting really amazing feedback from that interview that you and I did. So uh, congratulations, brother. That was a that was a home run. Excellent. No, that, that felt very good. I, you know, and I felt like having met somebody like I can, I can very much relate even when I'm reading your bio, so to speak, you know what I mean? It's very, very similar to, to my approach and really like this more holistic view, right? Of like, yeah, seeking truth. What does it mean to seek truth? Being sincere about it because it's a continuing process as we talked about. It's fluid. It changes, but also the inner work, right? And all of that. And these are indeed challenging times. So, we have so much to dive into. I don't even know where to start a little bit because current events and everything that's happening. But um, first of all, I also wanted to say, like, I, I checked out some of your videos and podcasts. It's so much. I would love to dive more into it. So I definitely want to, uh, you know, tell my audience, anybody who's listening to that, to check out your all your episodes. You you produce quite a lot of material on a, on a regular basis. Um, but what, what I would love to know about is more how you started out. How did you get, you know, to that point of like seeking truth and trying to figure out what's going on and how did it lead you to where you're today? Yeah, it's something that's been happening with me. I think I can think back to like the age of eight or nine years old where I had some experiences in my life growing up that put me into a, a rather unique position um, was going through a lot of transition, moving around. Uh, my mother was in and out of the hospital. My dad was working shift work. Um, and so I was just sort of flung into this reality and was always trying to get my bearings. I was introduced first to um, concepts about spirituality and religion through you know, my parents. They were, um, they were Christian. That was their background. 
And, you know, eventually as I was going to church and, and just kind of hearing out what my Sunday school teachers were telling me, what my school teachers were telling me, I don't know what it was exactly, but something in me just, it, it activated and I just desired to learn more about it and, and also understand how, there, how could it be that different people from different parts of the world have different ways of viewing reality, have different ways of viewing God and the cosmos, um, and that are, you know, they're, everybody's sort of grounded in their opinions. And then there's all this fighting and I couldn't understand, like, why can't the human race agree on, on, on anything? Like why, if truth is objective, you know, if we can walk outside and say, okay, today it's raining and tomorrow it's not, and we can have basic objective truths on things like the weather. Why are we so confused when it comes to finding our place and who we are and the big existential questions of life? So that sort of catapulted me into, first of all, I had to learn how to combat a lot of the anxiety and the fear and, and the stuff that was happening around because of the circumstances I was facing when I was young. And so I found my way into the martial art world, started by, first of all, just sort of reading the books um, and studying them and trying to practice them in my backyard, et cetera. And then eventually my parents uh, signed me up at the local karate dojo and I pursued a lifelong career in martial arts that I still maintain to this day. And alongside training with the physical disciplines, I've also maintained my curiosity in reality, what's going on in the world, who am I, all the big questions that I know you talk a lot about, Bernhard. So that's what that's sort of been the frame of where I come from. I wasn't traditionally educated. I gave myself an education. Um, I've been in libraries and bookstores and talking to priests and rabbis and, you know, anybody that will listen, authors, uh, listening to debates on various subjects my whole life. I've just always had this sense of curiosity. And so all that is compiled into the work that I do now. It was just a passion of mine, something I really love to do. But then it quickly turned into something that was imperative. It turned into something that I started knowing like around the 9-11 time in early 2000s that what we're told by the media is also incorrect. And there's so much missing from that story. And my wife, you know, she was uh, my girlfriend at the time and she was a political science and media studies major in uh, university. And so she just kind of started bringing up to me saying, you know, you just like you're talking about questioning religion and philosophy and all these things, you should also be questioning what the media is telling you. And then we started talking about those subjects and, and then I got into it. And then, you know, it's like, once you pull on one thread, you find yourself in a room you didn't expect to be in. And here I am today, uh, researching every possible angle of what could be going on, looking into the history of the world wars, looking into, um, you know, the founding of America, the history of my country, Canada, looking into all the conspiracies, all the fringe paranormal subjects, ufology, um, and current events. And so I just sort of mashed all this together into my Truth Warrior project, which is essentially my personal video log, my personal report on where I'm at, the kind of information I'm looking into. Um, and I use that as a tool to give people another way of looking at things. And then with, with Unslave, that was a partnership that I started with uh, Michael Tessarian about four years ago. He and I had been working together for free, just doing YouTube videos and things like that and conferences for many years. And then we finally boiled it down into a nice professional platform. And um, I've definitely learned so much from him as well. So I have my project with Michael that is really featuring his work and his research. And then I have my own personal project, which is my own life journey, which is called Truth Warrior. 
Beautiful. Thank you. Yeah. And it keeps evolving, keeps going. And, you know, similar, like as you just mentioned, our, you know, whatever we produce and speak about in the content we produce is also a reflection of where we are at, right? It's like kind of like our, our own process. And it's it's kind of this 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 paradox almost because we always have our own subjective views, you know, a view of reality, and we are working towards a more objective view and it keeps changing or expanding. And it's very much, you know, as you know very well, interlinked with our, also our, our own inner process and our self-work, right? Because I've always talked about also seeking truth and, you know, we need to apply the trivium and put your grammar before logic and basic critical thinking and research. But then we'll also be, be confronted, as you mentioned, so many different topics, right? Especially nowadays, we have access to so much information and you can easily get overloaded. It's very overwhelming, especially for a lot of people that are now just forcefully being woken up because of what's happening in the world. Like, oh, what's going on? Where should I start? What's happening? And so I want to ask you, uh, before we go into particular topics, but I'm curious about your own personal self-care or inner work, how you balance all this content research, interviewing people, putting out information and staying sane and, you know, with your relationship, your home and all of that and your inner, inner you know, turmoil, so to speak. <laughs> Yeah, that's probably one of the more important questions that has really been very vivid for me, especially recently, the last few years. Um, it's really easy for me because of the way my mind works. I'm a thinker. I'm a mind. I'm a brain. I'm, I, that's where I live. Um, I am so glad that I had things like the martial arts to keep me grounded, to keep me working with the body and working in the reality and the physical because um, I just have a very, you know, my mind just keeps going, you know, and so... Um, I've, I think I was fortunate that I was taught by some incredible people, um, and had the experiences that I did that just naturally kept me somewhat grounded. But even with that, a couple of years ago, I started, you know, losing sleep and you're up and you're going, you know, you're almost driving yourself crazy. You're just doing so much of the intellectual work, which is important, but it's like anything, any system that starts to get out of balance starts to produce deficiencies elsewhere. Right. So, uh, you know, thank God I have such an amazing partner in my wife, you know, her and I, I feel are, we're soulmates. We've, we've been through thick and thin for many years and been together a long time. We've run businesses together. We have kids together. And, um, I needed that counterbalancing force in my life. And, um, she's a very strong personality as well. And so she would always just kindly remind me, Hey, you know, you really got to put your own oxygen mask first before you assist others. You really got to make sure you take care. And she's been that voice for me in the background, um, as well as my mother-in-law who also is, you know, constantly bringing me food and, you know, just doing so many amazing things. So I, I built myself a good support system of just a few people. I don't have a massive crowd around me. Um, I used to, but that the more you become, you, you gain notoriety and you, you put your opinions out there and you're getting all this, I mean, naturally your circle is going to get smaller. And I almost advise people to make their circle a little smaller. Um, because people project onto you, right? It's psychological projection. It's a real thing. And that can also hamper your energy. So for me, um, I make sure that I balance out my time with the research. I sort of have a routine. I get up in the morning, checking all my source, the sources that I like to go to, going through some things, you know, um, I get up, I do some work, I do some stretching, little workout. Um, you know, yesterday I, cut all the grass, you know, get outside in the garden, do something like that, play with the kids, spend lots of time with the kids. And then, you know, intermittently, I'm constantly researching, you know, while I'm washing dishes or something, I've got a podcast in my ear, I'm listening to a news report. 
Um, now with social media, it's so much easier. And I've built a network of people that send me information from all over the world. I'm sure just like you, Bernhard, you know, you, you start doing this and you definitely get a lot of crazy people after you, but you also meet some incredible people. And some of the best friendships I've had have been just people I've never met in person. They're online and we share information. We encourage each other. So, uh, you know, it's a combination of having a good support network of knowing the fact that you must balance what you're doing. Um, You don't have to cut anything out. It's just that you have to balance those things and you'll know when you're out of balance. And I just, I've learned over the years, I can feel when I'm out of balance. I can feel like things are getting pent up. I'm getting it a little bit sharper with the kids or I'm a little bit edgier or I'm um, even when I'm arguing, debating people on online, it's just a little sharper (laughs) around the end. I go, okay, look, I'm, I'm drawing myself into something that is wasting my energy. I'm clearly deficient somewhere. So let's go back to the drawing board. And then I, you know, I go and go for a walk in the forest, go for a run, go for a workout, have a conversation with somebody off topic. Um, and all of a sudden, you know, you just come back to center again. So everybody has to kind of find, I think, for themselves what their practice is to help keep them balanced and centered and focused. Um, and remember that we're here to live a holistic life. Mm. You know, it's easy to get drawn into just becoming so uh, obsessed with one thing that you're doing. Your job, your business, one, you know, the research, whatever. Um, and those things are good. But if you're, if you get, if you put everything of yourself into one basket, you've lost other dimensions of yourself. Mm -hmm. And that's a lesson that I had to learn, you know, very hard. I'm an Aries. I'm a strong personality. I'm a go hard or go home kind of person. I don't do anything half assed. I want perfection all the time. And so that's a strength in one sense, but it's also a weakness when it's sort of blown out of proportion and I get out of balance. So, um, yeah, for me, it was breathing, some meditation, martial arts, reading fiction really helps, you know, mm-hmm. to kind of clear the haze and get you into the, into the mythic, the mythic realms of the mind. And then you come back and you go, okay, what's going on? Trump just took off out of Ohio. What's happening <laughs> is, a, you know, this is, is August getting hot, you know, and you get into all that <laughs> stuff. Um, and then another time I'm off on a different rabbit hole, researching all the debates between determinism versus free will or, do aliens exist or is it all angels and demons or is it all bogus or, you know, you just kind of, you know, you, you look around for different subjects to help stimulate thinking. Yeah. And, um, and that's why I love all these subjects. Uh, I, it's a, it's, it's a, it's a process, as you said, mm-hmm. about actually discovering yourself and learning more about yourself. Uh, I learned more about myself by researching these different subjects than I did about the subjects themselves. So, um, and I think that's valuable. Yeah. No, beautiful. I can very much relate. And he made some very good, important points. First of all, I can totally relate. My wife, Laura, also, you know, helps me to get out of my head and like, you know, Bernhard, it's time to take care of yourself. You're giving away too much, you know, choose your battles wisely, <laughs> right. especially on social media. Um, but you made a very good, important point that is having a supportive network, right? Especially nowadays, especially like a close, close circle. It's quality over quantity. Because yes. there's this almost this this paradox of, you know, like you mentioned, I've also made amazing uh, connection via the internet, right? I also have my online forum, it's beautiful, and, and you know, making really great friends online. Um, but at the same time, it's so overwhelming, especially in our work. As, as you mentioned as well, I've also realized that over time you get more quote-unquote popular. You talk about, you know out there topics and there are always people who are don't no don't just don't agree but attack you for it and then Mm -hmm. these personal attacks all this slander and all of that that took me some time because it's the one way to say oh i don't care what other people think but you still deal with the psychic 
energy of these projections. So sometimes it's important to just step away from it all and focus what truly matters and you know, have your support system, really knowing who you can trust, making boundaries, clear being able to say no in all these things, right? And another very important point you made as well is not being identified with any topic you really get into. Right? right, or even identified with your own work or believing your own hype and all of this, right? And then, yeah, you know, the need to try to convince people or all of that, right? Even, you know, we, that was beautiful to explore with you last time, the whole topic of QAnon, I got deeper into that. But people right away then try to label you, oh, you're a Trump supporter, no, you're this, you're that. You know, they try to put you into these categories yeah. when like f from a basic truth-seeking perspective, that is the trap then if you start to identify with one, even one particular teaching or philosophy and just build everything around it as one foundation, not understanding that as Krishnamurti, do you say truth is a pathless land, you know, or Sri Aurobindo, all life is yoga, everything, you know, you cannot just, you know, choose one thing and, and you know, focus on into it and, and see maybe the interrelationship and connection. But once you identify with one thing and especially your self-image, then the road gets harder, right? So it's really about, you know, this holistic approach and the self-care uh, aspect, as you mentioned as well, we need to also find for ourselves because I also know, you know, I work also with many people one-on-one. -on -one. There's only so much self-work you can do on your own. So we need our support network. It doesn't mean that you have to, you know, find therapists, coaches, but also find people you can talk to, process with, even emotionally and, and vulnerable, right? Because I, similar to you, I can easily also, the mind is strong in the information age nowadays and like, oh, this is this and this. And, you know, you, and we forget, we, like Gurdjie would, would say, you forget yourself. You know, we need to remember ourselves right. and get back into the body. And I love what you say about martial arts because I practice, you know, I've been long time practice of yoga and also Qigong, Tai Chi, that stuff. I've always been fascinated by martial arts. And especially now, I just recently, I finally bought a punching bag. Oh, <laughs> I, went good, I got some, you know, I want to <laughs> get some basic lessons in, you know, because also in, in my Thai or like just kickboxing and what does as a workout, but also you talk about areas. I have Mars in areas. So there's a lot of energy, nice. you know, and I need some, especially with, in this day and age, there's more anger coming up and I need to kind of mm -hmm. sometimes a good outlet. But I love the philosophy of martial arts, especially my book, a uh, big fan of Bruce Lee. So I like how I can totally see how you intervene this, or, you know, in, intertwine this with your whole work and all of that and draw strength from it, right? And it's also, this ties into like martial arts, into this warrior archetype we truly need to embody in this day and age because these are very critical times. And that's what I want to get into you with next a little bit, because it's one thing to talk about philosophy, spirituality, and this information, intellectual, oh, this, what is this going on? But the way things are going, you know, we see again, the COVID scare narrative is up again everywhere, out of nowhere. Craziness happening in Melbourne, in Australia, right. like the crackdown, right? We see the censorship and even what you mentioned beginning, like question the media, you know, the Mockingbird CIA media is like has exposed themselves completely as a tool for the deep state with the recent censorship, right? QAnon uh, censorship or the, the frontline doctors and all of that. It's just cracking down. So there needs to be also some sort of form of activism, spiritual activism, like a resistance. And the trap is always to fall into like what Gurdjieff would call the trap of the revolutionary mind of just becoming emotionally reactive, which right. then they, that's what they want, our like violent reaction, right? So what do you think, what can we do in this day and age, like with terms of, you know, 
you know, resisting these forces, so to speak, that's happening right now. Yeah, the this is something that I've thought about a lot. I know you too, Bernhard, have thought about this. I think everybody's thinking about it. You know, what do we do? Um, I mean, make no mistake, war is upon us. This is a war of the mind. This is a war of the air. This is a spiritual war. Um, it's also starting to get a little bit physical. And as you said, the the revolutionary mind of just wanting to go out and tear things up and burn things down and get violent and reactionary. I mean, that's what they want. That's what the system wants. Chaos is the fodder for changing the direction of society. So if you, uh, if you create chaos, you can now bring order out of that chaos and you can make that order whatever you want. Um, especially when you're the one fomenting the chaos, which is what I think is happening. When you have these groups like Antifa, Black Lives Matter, all of these groups and agencies, we know who's funding them. We know what's up with them. They've admitted what their agendas is and where their allegiance actually lies. It doesn't lie with where the slogan says it lies. Mm. It, it's not anti-fascist. It's not about Black Lives. It's not about saving America. It's, it's about destroying and destruction. And this is something that... Um, you know, we talk about a lot on Unslaved, something Michael brought to this work, which was very unique, which is that when you start getting into the psychology, the psychology of the individual, and then also the psychological diagnosis of the collective herd or the crowd, we call it the crowd, um, you'll, you'll understand what's really going on underneath all the slogans and the res- all the people and all the uprisings um, and the need. You know, why is there even a need in the world for for some people to have to get so much control that they're willing to strip all of your freedom away and literally your humanity away. You know, what's driving the people that are organizing this current lockdown that is so draconian, it flies in the face of everything that has to do with the foundational uh, principles of Western civilization, or just in, in my opinion, it flies in the face of what it is to be a human. They want an anti-human technocratic state. That's what yeah. they want. And they want it to be global. This is something they've written about forever. And by they, I mean, these people, these architects of control, the cabal, whatever you want to call them, people who are, um, you could also just call them self-murdered people. They've already destroyed mm. within themselves, or maybe never even had it, uh, the, the element of humanity that is based in creativity, in creation, not destruction. Um, so they've destroyed the creative force inside of themselves. And you can, you probably know people in your personal life that have done this and they, and what, what kind of a person is that? That kind of person is usually manipulative. They don't mind lying to your face. They'll cheat behind your back in a nanosecond without having any ounce of empathy for you. They're just out there in a narcissistic mode of being and they're out for control because they don't have any inner control which is why I love the martial arts and the Qigong and these meditation practices. It's about learning how to control those forces, learn about those forces um, and channel them in a positive direction for creativity and expression. This is where the Bruce Lee stuff comes in, right? But what we're seeing is the anti-life, the anti-force, the anti-good, the anti-virtue and moral energy dominating the planet and trying to fight for its power differential over the rest of us and to install their worldview on the world. It's the same thing as we saw with, when I grew up studying religion, my first question was, okay, so we have these people like Buddhists, Muslims, Jews, Christians, and with each one of those religions or Buddhism or Hinduism, there's many, many different denominations that are all fighting amongst themselves for supremacy, right? And in philosophy, you have different schools of philosophy. 
and in science, different fields of science. And science doesn't always agree, even though they like to try to make you think it does. Um, and so you realize, okay, so there's, there's uniqueness in each one of us, and we all have different perspectives on things. But then there's these narratives that get created that are created to draw you in. And I start, started in looking at religion with that as to what, what was it that attracts a person to say, I am a Christian, I am a Jew, I am a this, I am a that. Well, it's the desire to belong to a tribe, a desire to connect with other people, to pursue spirituality and community and, and have a moral doctrine and have a, a archetypal figurehead so that we can follow something, right? It gives you purpose. But where does that line end where it's just a pursuit of a personal expression of spirituality? And when it becomes like a cult where you can't leave, you can't uh, question the holy writ or the holy doctrine, uh, you can't question the leader, you, you, there is no debate, there's discussion, there's no diversity of ideas. Um, when you see, that's something I call, or that's something Carl Jung called collectivization, the collectivization of the human mind. And when you have a hyper collectivized unit, you lose the individual completely. Yeah. And this is where we get into the political aspect of this, where it's come into the guise of things like socialism, communism, um, now what they call crony capitalism, et cetera. It's based on collectivism. That's ultimately the doctrine that underlies it, which is what's best for the group. The one, the, the needs of the one are completely erased because it's all about the needs of the many. And even though those needs and those things that we want to achieve for the many are sort of like, they're vague, they're arbitrary. Um, it's impossible for any group of people to set themselves up as the ministry of truth, like in 1984 and, and command where that's all going to go and what we're going to do. So when you put it all together, you start getting into the world of, of actual cults. And I produced a whole series on that. and I'm going to be refining that down the line. I call it cults of death and power mm -hmm. to remind people. And it's funny, I was inspired to do this a month, a few months before this whole lockdown. And I had been producing these episodes. They're like three or four hours long. I bring in so many different elements of, of actual cults. And I, my whole point was to not just look at the cult leaders because most material out there on cults focuses on the leaders, right? what they did, those evil cult leaders. And yeah, they're evil and there's blame to be pointed their way. But more curious is the question, what about the followers of the cult? Because mm -hmm. you could... You could set up a cult tomorrow. You and I, Bernard, we could make a cult right now, name it, brand it, do a whole thing. But if nobody joined it, we're out of business, yeah. right? So the only way you can create a successful cult is if you can somehow crack into the psyche of each human being and pull them in and draw them in based on emotive thinking. Because humans are very easily motivated by tapping into their emotions. We're not, it's funny how we're not as motivated by logic and reason. Um, and it's to our demise that we continue this vicious cycle. And I think a lot of it has to do with the propaganda and, and the brainwashing we've experienced for, for thousands of years, really. But, um, you know, the way that I see things happening now, and I'm actually thinking I'm writing a new series, I'm writing a new episode called Cult of the Medics. To high, this is something I wanted to do before this lockdown, but I said, you know what, I'm going to put this on the shelf and just observe how this whole virus thing and lockdown is going to play out. And sure enough, all the signs of a cult are there. All the signs of, you know, you can't, uh, there's, a, there's a priesthood that is unchallengeable. You cannot question the new priesthood. And anybody that comes even from within that medical establishment and walks away and goes, hold on a minute. I think we're doing something wrong. I think those numbers are off. I think the projections were wrong. I think we should, there's other ways we can deal with this. We don't need to do this. 
they are immediately, they're not given the, the field, they're not given the opportunity to debate and discuss and share what they, their ideas would be and let everybody decide what they think is true. They are immediately silenced, censored, and ostracized. Yeah. And that to me is a major flag that we're dealing with cult-like mentality. So if they're going to tell you all the doctors and scientists in the world agree that this is what we need, we need more controls, everybody needs to wear these ridiculous masks that have been proven not to work or even be effective, um, everybody has to march in lockstep and have all this distancing, um, you know, six feet, that's what we're going to do, even though your sneeze goes up to 27 feet, whatever, <laughs> put that aside, and on and on, you go, all these contradictions, don't worry about the contradictions, anybody pointing out contradictions, we're going to have a whole team of fact checkers go after you online mm-hmm. and constantly plaster all their stuff all over your posts so that nobody gets to actually see it. We're going to shadow ban you. We're going to shut down your accounts. We're going to delete your videos. We're going to demonetize your platform and on and on we can go. When I see that, I say, okay, then I'm immediately on the opposite side of whatever this little new priesthood is saying, because I, I've done this for too long, Bernhard. I'm sure you've seen this too. I've looked at this for too long, history, politics, religion, cults, And when you do that for long enough, the signs are so blatantly obvious that something else is going on other than what they're telling us that it now puts you in a position as an individual to make a choice. Mm -hmm. And you do have the ability to make a choice. I find it very interesting that another thing that happened right before the lockdown stuff was a lot of mainstream academics and authors started arguing against free will as being real. They were, they, this whole thing came up again. I mean, it's the oldest debate in philosophy, but they came to the point where you got all these Sam Harris types and all these people going out there saying, look, there is no real free will. We're all just guided by our genes and therefore we need, and, and when you think about the logical conclusion of that belief, it's, it's lining up with what you know, the socialists in Germany tried to do, the communists in Russia tried to do, the communists in China tried to do, and on and on we could go, where they said, well, human beings are just animals, and we need to create a farm-like scenario where animals, where the animals are corralled, controlled, vaccinated, tagged, mm. monitored, fenced in, and used for resources. Because human beings, there's nothing more, we're, we're just, it's just matter. There's no yeah. point to life. It's just, you know, pleasure principle only. No, 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 no consciousness, no creativity. We're just robots. We're just animals. And that's a belief system that these people have. So when that belief system was sort of pushed through the mainstream and they're saying philosophy's dead, poetry's dead, so, you know, art is dead. We're going to create a new art and we're going to censor all the old ugly stuff. And all I would say is where have we seen that before? When that happened first, then they rolled in the tanks of, we have a virus. It's worldwide. It's airborne. It's going to kill your grandma. Get inside, lock down, shut down your business. Don't worry about all the people that are committing suicide and dying as a result mm. of the lockdown. That, all those people don't matter. All that matters is this mythical figure of people that keeps changing all the time and that this is what we're going to use to whip you and you'll do it because secretly they know something, Bernhard. They know we want to be controlled. We have an instinct to be controlled. We've been raised and programmed and trained even at the genetic and psychological level to be slaves. Even though that's not our, our birthright, that's not who we really are. It's the, it's the animal part of us that has been trained to think like this. And so there's those of us who are breaking out of that and saying, and we've been, many of us have been doing it for a long time and many more way longer than I've been around, um, who have woken up and said, hold on a minute. There's forces in the world 
telling me how to think, what to eat, what not to eat, who to question, who not to question, what to believe, what not to believe. And I just want to pause all this and just think for myself for a minute. And that now we're at a point where it's becoming so suffocating that that's illegal. Mm -hmm. It's illegal to think for yourself. You will be demonetized and censored if you think for yourself, let alone speak your mind and try to inspire other people to think for themselves. So now what I'm seeing is a mass awakening happening in this regard. We might not all agree on all the particular details and the things involved, but we know deep down intuitively, and I speak to people all the time. I even speak to friends and family members that used to scoff at me for doing this work. And now they're calling me up, asking me for my advice. I'm sure you felt the same. And, and now um, I'm seeing that people are, are really just getting to the point of going, you know what, this is kind of weird that we've got thousands of experts that disagree with those experts over there that were handpicked by the World Health Organization and et cetera, the CCP party in China, whatever. And they're not allowed to have a discussion and they're not allowed to present any kind of alternative view. It's only one view for the entire world. (laughs) That's what's interesting. It's the entire world. Like what's happening in Australia, like you said, I just watched the news on that this morning. That's starting to creep into certain provinces in Canada. I saw something interesting where this is where it started. It's just getting insane. The British Columbia, I live in British Columbia and the the health ministry in British Columbia actually wrote a paper, a a recommendation paper. And the news started reporting it that in order to stop the spread, you, you must, first of all, your number one sex partner is yourself and if you really do want to have sexual relations with another human being, you have to use glory holes. <laughs> this is this is actually officially what they're telling us, Bernard. This is I, where I remember. I remember that I thought it was I thought it was set, satire first from the Babylon Bee or something like that, but it's it's a truth. It, I, th- I yeah. thought it was a joke too, and I'm like, no, I got to check that. And I read it. It's the most. I feel like a 12 year old wrote it, although it's horrible that I. Would. Anyways, so I saw it in BC first a couple of weeks ago. Well, then guess what? Toronto, Ontario just sort of repeated the same thing. And then Nova Scotia. And then, and I'm like, do any of these provinces or media outlets think for themselves? Like uh, what's happening? What is going on? And so that's just one of many. We could get into the murder hornets or the bubonic plague Mm -hmm. squirrels or the, uh, what are some of these other insane things that have been flying around to try to keep you in fear? That's what this yeah, is. Keep exactly. you in fear so that you'll give up your freedom. And, and the people that are in fear are the ones resisting you. The people yeah. who have been able to come to a place of at least some, okay, I can calm myself down. I can start to think objectively, higher order thinking. Okay, let's get objective here. Let's look at this. They are the ones that are probably going to keep listening to this episode. The people that are locked in a cage of fear because they've been watching the media 24-7, um, and they don't realize they've been raised in that entire environment, and, and they've been prepped for this for, for decades. Um, they are the ones who are fighting back against this and wanting to shout you down because they're, they're afraid. And that's why I said they want to be controlled and told what to do. They want the handrails. They want the signs what to do, where to go. They want to be told where to stand They want because they want the illusion of safety. Mm. And that's where I bring back, I'll wrap this little monologue up by saying, I did a video log where I started off with the quote from Thomas Jefferson, you know, the guy whose statue they just tore down and beheaded. Um, He said, I prefer dangerous freedom to peaceful slavery. And I just so happen Mm. to agree with that statement. I don't care what anybody thinks of Thomas Jefferson or where they come from. That statement to me is true. That's who I am. That's in my genes. 
And you can say, and then they're going to say, well, that's because that's you're white, Dave. You're a white straight male. So it's in your white. <laughs> yeah, we have no voice here, by the way. They're, so. they're going to attack you in every way they possibly can. But all I got to say is I don't care where you come from, what your background is, what you believe, what gender you are. It doesn't matter. You're a human being. You're the microcosm of the universe. And you're being told to kneel and sit like a dog and do as you're told. And I personally don't want to live in that world. And there are millions of us that feel the same way. And so I think consciousness is rising and I personally won't rest until I see the end of this battle go towards the side of freedom. Yeah. Beautifully said, David. Thank you. And you made it I like, I'm really looking forward to, you know, I want to check out your, your whole series on, on the cult um, mindset because you're so right. You know, when I, I've studied some cults too, and you know, when at some point all these, um, spiritual predators were exposed and this and that, and they attacked, hey, held accountable, that's fine and good. But I had the same questions because so many people get easily into victim blame. How did the people even follow these people to begin with? You know what I mean? How did they get into it? Like, you know, something yeah. I'll reject right away anyway. So what's the mindset of, of cult members? And that's what we're seeing right now. I like, like what you said, because what's happening right now, this whole COVID narrative ties into that, this whole Marxist communist ideology that's behind BLM and Antifa and whatever. It's a cult mindset. It's really scary, yeah. you know, Marxist communism that ties also into the social justice warrior cancel culture. Right. If you don't have certain views, you know, if you're not outspokenly anti-racist, they can not only like attack you, but demonetize you, destroy your career, right? Destroy, you know, people have been fired for questioning in, uh, the official narrative. And that's, you know, I see more and more, like you mentioned, two things are happening. Many people on the positive side, the silver lining, people are waking up. They're like, what the hell is going on? This can be, you know, they start to question. Right. Because, you know, it's almost like an esoteric law, so to speak. But people don't start to question everything themselves in life until they suffer, <laughs> until the yeah. shit hits the fan. So that's, you know, almost the role of suffering, so to speak, you may, you may argue. But in many well, other people. You should suffer gladly or you will suffer unwillingly. Like you, you will be, mm -hmm. you can either do the internal suffering and deal with it and do the shadow work and make yourself yeah. stronger, or you can repress all of that. And your entire society can repress all of that. And then we're all really suffering, as exactly. in the many examples that you exactly. know. Exactly. That's like the difference, like the necessity of Gurdjieff would say, of conscious suffering, like, you know, there you go. taking better. responsibility, yeah. you know, for like not externalizing and whatnot. Um, but then people are taken over, like you said, by this fear virus. That's the only true real virus that's dangerous, it's taken over. And then that's you know, the biggest danger, what I see, the quote-unquote Agent Smith syndrome, like people starting to police each other, right? Mm -hmm. That's what we see. Then the mob, uh, you know, psychology and all of that, the destruction of the individual. And it's so fascinating. Jordan Peterson, you know, God bless him, he's dealing with his health issues. He, we need him right now with his, like, you know, I what know. he talked about years ago. I even, would, at some point when I listened to him, you know, there's things I agreed, didn't agree with him, whatnot. But for the most part, like he talked about this rise of cultural Marxism, you know, and back then he talked so extremely about it. Like, this can't be, this is just, no. And now see, look at what's happening. It is as dangerous right now. That's it is right. coming, not only the US, not Canada, but worldwide, literally. It's this one deep state agenda. Like the, it's almost like an end game of the socialist new world order, trying to destroy the individual, the nuclear family, under this guise of, you know, collectivism for the group. Right, this this forced unity, 
right? There's like, it tags into, like you mentioned, into our own well-meaning. Yeah, we all want to get along. We all want to have oneness, but it's un, it's forced oneness, right? With an yeah. ideology in, in order to control us. And that's the danger right now. And another thing, what, uh, what you mentioned also that you said at the beginning in your journey, you mentioned like, you cannot understand why people, you know, talk about, you know, have those views and those views, but they you know, can get along. They can, they cannot even agree to disagree. You know what I mean? Why can't we just have civil conduct and all of that? And the reason I, that was my challenge for many years as well, because we have also been conditioned or we have this wishful thinking, like people who are like more like what I call, you know, spiritually evolved, so to speak, we want like see the best in others. So we project our own soul potential into others. We project qualities into psychopaths <laughs> that they don't have, right? It's like this this idea of, yeah, we are one, but we are not all the same. You know, like you mentioned, there are forces out there that, you know, you can see it as a tagly, not even have a fully embodied soul, but empty shells and a completely materialistic view of the world. So they want to, you know, control us like animals, you know? That's right. So that's that's the danger right now. Um, so And I'll just say something real quick on that because it's so important. Like, there's two different kinds of unity, in my opinion. There's the unity that you will experience when you are working in harmony with another individual, right? Yeah. When, you, when you actually view people as um, unique, special, uh, divine individuals, as opposed to just another cog of a wheel, right? A bo- another, another aspect of the Borg then that's, that's a true kind of unity that will build bridges and build civilization and build your, you know, you team up with people, you work together, right? Um, you were talking earlier about keeping the right people in your life. Relationship with other human beings is a part of what we call shadow work or what Jung called shadow work, which is just, you know, understanding all the elements of yourself, the good, the bad, the ugly, and integrating it as opposed to repressing it. Um, and uh, so, you know, having relationship is a big part of that. But relationship with another is different than becoming the other, mm. being absorbed into the other where you don't have an identity anymore. And that's the, the, the concept of the Borg. It's the, in Star Trek, it's the best example to, to help people understand what the difference is between individualism as a pillar in society versus collectivism. And when you say individualism, they think greedy, selfish, narcissistic asshole. And it's like, nope, actually, if you look at the psychology, the narcissist is the most selfless person. Because the self, I'm talking capital S self, not just the ego or whatever. I'm talking about who you really are, okay? The light that animates your eyes, okay? If you've ever seen a corpse, there's no light animating the eyes. When you're alive, there's light animating your What is that, okay? That self, that you, that ability that you have. It's a gift that we have. The thing that's animating this body, this animal body, right? Um, and I don't, I'm not saying that in a degrading way. I don't, I don't think the body is the cage of the soul or any of that nonsense. I have nothing but respect for the body. It's a, it's a part of what you are. It's a part of nature. Um, but the thing is, is it's unique. It's yours. And yeah, you're a human. There's what we call humans. And then there's different types of humans and different, you know, all these things. But what, they, what these Marxists want to do, what talking about Jordan Peterson, and that was the one thing I also really agree with him on and liked when he would go to war against the feminists and the, and the Marxists and all this stuff, um, was to just bring up the fact that you know, a real sane society is built on the premise of freedom as well as having, you know, this basic social understanding amongst each other that my freedom can't breach your freedom, right? 
So, um, but you can't start micromanaging everybody and telling them what they can say, what they can't say, and then, and all these other things. And then especially giving that authority to the government. Are you in, are we insane? Like, like, it's just amazing to me. It's like, we're all suffering from Stockholm syndrome or, or beaten wife syndrome or something where we keep returning to our abusers. And that was what brought me into the cults was I was looking at this video of, um, with heaven's gate, the the heaven's gate Mm -hmm. cult. And you can get a lot of clips online and I included some of them in my series. It was in the first episode where I covered this. And um, you basically have this very charismatic leader that's talking to these little cult followers who all have uniforms on. They all have these patches, these badges on that say the away team. And they're, they, they're, they've been indoctrinated to believe that they're actually aliens um, that are here to give Earth a message and then jump on the back of Hale-Bopp's comet and fly up to the ninth dimension beyond human. Like this is essentially the doctrine. And uh, he got them into this place where you just see their looks, the looks on their face, like little puppy dogs. And then he tells them, oh, no, sit down, stand up. And just, you see him just sort of, tell me your experience. No, no, start again. And just the way he's controlling them is just, it's horrifying to watch. But what's what's even worse is not him. Again, it's the fact that these people are responding the way that you would see a dog that's being trained with a treat. It's the same thing. And what I think that is, is that is a person who's given up their selfhood, their, their spirit, their, their essence. They've given that up so that they're now giving all of themselves. They're going to live vicariously through this person or this group or this ideal. And they are so empty inside that they, they, they don't want to serve anything of themselves. They don't have any self-love. So they can only serve something outside of themselves. And they can only experience that momentary feeling of love from outside. They don't have anything within. Whereas I think the true moral person, and by the way, all those people committed suicide on command. um, I think the true moral person is the one that first knows how to honor and love the self, who they are. And that's not the same as narcissism and egoism. Uh, in, in the negative sense, there's a positive egoism. A lot of people don't want to hear that. Um, but to first take can, take care of yourself, know thyself, right? Mm. And then learn how to love yourself and develop healthy self-esteem and self-value. From that place, you have a well of value and love to give if you want. And you get to choose where you put it. You don't, you're not forced to give it. The government can't put a gun to your head and say, love these people. Get on your knees for these people. This is the cause you must serve. And these are the people that you should hate. That's, that's tyranny. That's, that's evil. Yeah. The true moral person stands on their own two feet, does charitable works where they deem they wish to do it, uh, is, owns the product of their mind and their body, and decides to do good work for themselves and the world. They take care of their family. And those are the people that have love within them. The people that have no love for themselves or understanding of who they are are not capable of loving others, are not capable of empathizing with other people. And so if they're trying to create, so this Marxist doctrine, this Bolshevik slash fascist, what it's a whole new, it's a hybrid now, the one they want to bring in. It's yeah. kind of the best pieces of, <laughs> exactly. the worst pieces of all the worst <laughs> doctrines, right? Um, that they're trying to build. It, it, what it's all designed to in the end, no matter what name they give it, no matter what new dressing they put to it, it's the same. It's give us your energy. Give mm-hmm. the church your energy. The new church is the cult of the medics. 
telling you what to do. You better be dancing on TikTok for those doctors and nurses who are kind of walking around a lot of these hospitals bored to tears because they're not as overloaded as we've been told. But anyways, uh, do as you're told. Uh, don't question. They're, we're just going to sit in this lockdown until a vaccine that's never been produced will be produced and then mandated on the population. See, and that's the thing. When they start to go with this ideology, there's only one place to go, which is our solutions for humanity and the world are so good. They must be forced on you. Right. <laughs> and for me, that's the end of the debate where I'm like, well, you know what? When I go buy a product of my own free will and I, you know, I say I want to go sign up at your website, Bernhard. I'm like, you know what? I want to sign up at Bernhard's website because he's got value there to offer me. And I love this guy and I love the content he produces. So I'm willing to give something in exchange for that value. It's an exchange of value. For, that's freedom. That's, and that would be a good relationship. But if you set something up and you were given the power to force people to sign up to your podcast <laughs> or force people to adopt your way of looking yeah. at the world, um, you are the type of person that probably wouldn't want that power. But there are a lot of people that want that kind of power. Mm -hmm. And that's not something that I don't think a person like yourself would be proud of. You want people to come freely, right? And so that's how I feel. And that's how many people feel. But this ideology we're being forced to accept is that force wins the day because why? Human beings are soulless animals that must be corralled and controlled like farm animals. Mm -hmm. And we now have to work for the agendas of God knows who, God knows where. And I just, to me... I will fight that to the last breath and no one will ever be able to take my freedom from me. Even if they lock me up in a gulag or lock me up in some prison somewhere, I'm free up here and I've done all this work. And so that's the solution right now. And then yes, we can, ha we'll have to have discussions about, you know, look what's going on in Berlin, Germany of all mm -hmm. places. How ironic that in yeah. Berlin, Germany, hundreds of thousands of people are flooding the streets to protest draconian government lockdown measures and violations of their freedom. Yet in peace-loving, maple syrup, hockey-loving Canada, we are adopting <laughs> tyranny every single day under the guise of the greater good for the greater number. And all I can say is, isn't it interesting how just a couple decades can change things around that we have um, people waking up in Germany and fighting tyranny and people in countries that fought against you know, national socialism, adopting national socialism. It's just, yeah. it's unbelievable. It's fascinating how the, the New York Times, which is completely like the, the, the mouthpiece of the deep state, you know, uh, was reporting about the reports in uh, the protests in Berlin that they were organized by neo-Nazis and conspiracy theorists. You know, it's just like, you know, but also like I got pissed because they're tagging into the wound of the German people. These are just neo-Nazis. You yeah. know what I mean? You know, not even that they, the New York Times acting like Nazis, projecting their own internal Nazism into others. That's the irony. They're the Nazis. Anyway. Yeah, exactly. exactly. The, the anti-fascists. They're <laughs> the fascists. Exactly. That, that's the biggest irony, you know, but that's very well said. It reminds me also in this day and age and going back to what we can do, it is about integrity. Right, integrity in this day and age, so and sincerity, and, and what does it truly mean? And that's even when you look astrologically, that's the bigger. You know, my wife Laura, she she's an astrologer, and she talks a lot about this big transit we had that started right at the beginning of this whole crazy year in, in January, the uh, Saturn Pluto conjunction in Capricorn. Right, it's a yeah. big, huge transit in Capricorn. The big lesson: it doesn't matter if you're Capricorn Sun; it's just a bigger lesson for the collective. Is about integrity. 
because the dark side of, of Capricorn is just going along, just uh, social climbing, right? Selling your soul for success and greed and just going along with the program and just right. uh, t- taking care of yourself. So the lesson is really right now the, on, on, the, on the positive side, the elevated side to stay in integrity, right? Right now it's a test on a spiritual level, right? You know, do you really, do you act out of conscience and integrity or do you now, you know, succumb to the fear? I'm like, oh, I better not speak out. Otherwise you might lose my income and this might lose my friends. I get attacked and what I better, I better also be, become outspokenly BLM, anti-racist and all of that and just go along with the mob because I don't, you know, I don't want to deal with the consequences, so to right. speak. So integrity is so, so key in this. And that's, but that's where I feel we are being then rewarded. You know, if we can get through this fear, which is such an illusion anywhere and stand our ground with integrity and sincerity, that's where the support comes in. Even from the divine perspective, there's, there are positive forces, right? And that's how we build the new world to counteract it with our voice at, at the very minimum to speak up, to spread awareness, at least use the, you know, this information warfare right now, you know, and as a very famous alphabet of the, uh, you know, letter of the alphabets used to say or says, you know, it's infiltration, not invasion. And mm-hmm. that's what we're seeing right now. Yes. So before we end up, the, the, uh, that, that's amazing. We could go for hours already. I can see. <laughs> <It's just> like, <laughs> exactly. we st- I have all these notes. I haven't gotten even to anything much at all. Uh, but I, I love to get your take on, because we touched it upon a little bit on, our, on your podcast when I was guest on your show, about government and anarchism and voluntarianism. Because what I see right now, even within in the so-called quote-unquote truth movement, which I say quote-unquote because similar to you, I don't identify with any like movement. We're just doing our thing. Right. And, you know, and, you know, I share this a bit on your podcast. I've been outspoken like anarchist, voluntarist, governments are evil. No government can, if you give, give you freedom and sovereignty, right? Voting doesn't matter and all these anarchistic, you know, philosophies, it's a great philosophy, ideology and all of that, voluntarianism, no rulers. I want to be sovereign and all of that. But we cannot go from A to Z. And right now I see with this Marxist, the more left you are actually, the more Marxist socialist, the more government, yes. <laughs> ironically, the more quote unquote right, which also has been now completely, people think the more right, the more racist, which is a complete, you know, distortion. It's a lie. The more right, actually, the less government. You know, so what I see, and we talked about this with Trump and the the government, there seems something else happening, there are positive forces. So right now, it's actually important to have functioning borders, to have even national identity, to fight, you know, in America for the constitution. These are things I would have never said months ago. But then you have still these hardcore anarchists, like, no, all government is bad and evil, this black and white thinking, which Mm -hmm. doesn't hold true anymore. And it can actually work against us, this ideology, because all idealism almost, I always thought like borders are man-made, we're all one humanity. But you see what happened with open borders policy in Europe already, this forced multiculturalism. So, So what is your take on like this, you know, to how would you argue with like an anarchist who says all government are evil and we shouldn't support anyone right now and we need to take, be our own sovereign self in all of that? How can we rectify all of that? Yeah, it's a really important subject. I've done a lot of thinking about it, a lot of research on it, asked a lot of people about this. Um, right now where I currently stand, I would say on a philosophical level, I would be an anarchist in that sense, just in a philosophical way. Um, of, of not, not the chaotic kind of anarchy that we're seeing 
demonstrated by the left, as you're saying, who love government, which is so interesting. Um, but, but, you know, just the freedom, the freedom of the mind, right? The freedom to think, to speak, and all these things. It starts to get a little bit dicey when we decide to form society, to work with others uh, for a shared interest, and we need some kind of organizing, organizing structure. And because not all humans are going to align or have yet in history aligned with one vision. And actually every time we've gotten close to that, it's also yeah. turned into a nightmare. Um, so you basically get to this weird dichotomy where we want freedom. We want as much freedom as we can. But when you have too many independent agents walking around, running around competing um, over the, the landscape of the political realm, uh, the organization of, of some kind of policing or defense of the realm, et cetera, um, it, it becomes really, really dicey. And there's lots of debates to be had. I've listened to debates on this for a long time. But all I would say is that political anarchy, uh, it's, it's been tried and it's an absolute nightmare. And all you got to do is look at Chaz City that was formed in Portland not long ago as a fantastic example of people who were against borders, who hated Trump for wanting to build a wall to stop all the human trafficking and drug trafficking, et cetera, um, and the illegal crossings. And yet they ended up building some of the biggest walls. Um, these people were, were wanting the government to take everybody's guns away, but then they end up running around with AK-47s to defend their little walls of their little town. And even they demonstrate my point, which is that they're like, well, this is what, because we're in this current system, we have to play by the system's rules to some extent and employ some of those ideas in order to transition to this new utopian system that everybody's talked about for thousands upon thousands of years. Everybody's tried to achieve it. And every single time it has turned into an absolute shit show. So my question is, where are all the examples of these societies that have no leadership? How does that, if everybody's self, I mean, I wish, I wish like you, I wish we could, humanity could evolve to the point where we didn't need government. Cause man, I'm with him on that argument. Government has just yeah. read the book about demo side, understand what government can turn into. But remember the founding fathers of America and some of the things that they, and some of them were agents working on behalf of the Royal crown, but some of them had really good points and brought the first semblance of a free society together that we've ever really seen. And it definitely needs a lot of work, but we need to be improvers of the world, not destroyers of the world. Okay. So I guess where it is, is there's a, there's a, in my opinion, I've also run businesses. I've run where I'm in a position of being a leader, right? Like I'm in martial arts. I've been doing this my whole life. So I've achieved the status in Japanese jujitsu called Renchi, which is basically the leader of senseis. Like, so I was a sensei and then I eventually got to a level where I was grading senseis and, and, and teaching, you know, how to, and you're basically an instructor, you're an organizer. And, um, you know, I run businesses, I've worked in jobs and this experience just really taught me that human beings right now, regardless of what people think about what they wish it was, we need leaders, we need guides, we need organizational principles. So that's why originally we had the concept of a left and a right. It's supposed to reflect the masculine and the feminine in our society. It's supposed to reflect, you know, the idea that we need, uh, you know, not, not every single human being in the world is going to see eye to eye with our culture, or our, our ideas of freedom, i.e. look at the Muslim world. They don't really celebrate homosexuality. They don't really celebrate uh, women. They don't celebrate freedom. They don't celebrate, um, you know, free speech. Um, they have a different way of punishing people that, you know, there's a whole different system and, you know, they're free to do what they're going to do. But if you just start importing 
this competing ideology and it's by saying, oh, we shouldn't have any borders and just let everybody come in. Now you're opening up for people to come in and become the dominant force in the society. And we've seen this so many, so many different times in history. So if you just said, let's push the big green button right now and just it's just anarchy, boom. What do you think would happen? Yeah. Human, humanity's not ready for that. Yeah. I'm sorry. We're just not there. We're not, we're not all on the same page. We've been, we've been fighting for thousands. These, these, these battles go back thousands of years. So how can you just push a magic button because you've come to the realization that you should be the master of yourself? Is your neighbor going to feel that way? Does Ted Bundy feel that way? What about, you know, a million other people? Did, does Barack Obama agree with you? Does the, you know, the, all these, these other people in Antifa, do they agree with you? There's competing forces. So what are you going to do? You're going to start uh, a bunch of privatized police forces. This is what I always hear from anarchists. We're like, well, we just got to privatize everything. Privatized police force, privatize this. Well, okay, so let's just think this through. So you have a privatized police force, right? And you're going to hire them to represent your own personal constitution that you write up and represent yourself with, right? But then your neighbor is going to hire a different police force that is going to enforce their constitution of what they think the things should be. And then up the road and on and on and extrapolate that to 7 billion people. Yeah. Do you really think that it's not going to turn into yeah. all out war and chaos of competing police office, police forces and uh, enforcement agencies and all these things enforcing different arbitrary right, writing down of laws of what laws should be. Mm-hmm. If I go up, if I go to a prison right now and ask each prisoner in there who would be an anarchist on for sure, cause they're in prison, they would say, yeah, I want to write my own law for myself. Philosophically I'm with you, but what's your law? Do you have a line in the sand that says that you're not going to come into my house and just take my kids and take my shit whenever you want? Is that because if that's part of your constitution, then I have to hire a private police force to be able to protect me against you. But you're going to claim that you have the authority on truth and that your constitution is the right one. And it's going to be war right away. So in a political sense, I just think it's a disaster. And I really haven't heard the arguments. I've heard all the arguments, but I feel like they're so pie in the sky. They start to sound like what Marx and Engels and Hitler and all them were talking about after a while. And you go, all right, well, what we can do then, I guess what the the founding fathers of America did is say, let's split the difference, okay? We're going to write it down that government is an evil, Okay, we know because we're free loving people. So, and we don't, we just got out of King George's little empire and all that. So, we want freedom, but, but we've already done these experiments. We tested this out. It just doesn't work. We need to have an organizing principle and something to unify the people on. So, usually these are things like religion or, you know, cultural identity or whatever. America was different in the sense that they said, let's base it off of a principle. We'll have founding principles that we will use as the, um, the, the organizing structure of our society. And that was the Constitution Bill of Rights. And there's a lot of, we could get into a lot of the, uh, the weeds with that. There's a lot of problems, but just in a general sense, right? This concept of having a free society. It was based on foundational principles, not necessarily some of the other modalities, okay? Which are also debatable. But at the very least, it was that it's a necessary evil because of the fact that we should have an organizing agency where everybody can sort of play a part and have a say in it. Um, And there's even debates with that. But the thing is, is that at least we have a system where we have the rule of law. We have defined borders because every, you just read the, uh, what is it? The, uh, the territorial 
uh, imperative. It's a book that talks about going through the different animal species and human beings and the elements of us that, you know, animals naturally cordon off territory and defend it for the purposes of survival. So you have a territory um, that's going to be governed under the rule of law. And that law is something that allows for the most possible freedom, but it, it stops it at the point of if you try to steal from me, if theft is involved, whether you're stealing my life, my property, you know, whatever, then there is an agency there and there's a law that's in place that will uh, be the force behind keeping that in check so that you can actually are, you actually are free to go pursue your creative interests and your mm-hmm. entrepreneurial interests and plant crops in the land and be a farmer without constantly fighting off bandits that think they're, they're the new law in town, like the wild west. It gets to a point where you're like, I, all I'm doing is running and surviving and fighting competing agencies all the time. And I'm not really getting anything done. So the purpose of having some kind of structure, and this is a very masculine principle, the, the, mm-hmm. this is the right wing. It's the masculine principle that says we need to have some kind of structured defenses. Um, it has to be based in logic to some degree. And then the feminine side is supposed to be that I go, yeah, but maybe those borders are a little bit too stringent. Maybe those laws are too confining and too sensory. Maybe they're, you know, and so there's supposed to be in society a dialogue between the left and the right that hopefully finds a middle ground in all these different areas. It's a good place to start because otherwise, what are we going to do? We push that big green button. We go, let's go anarchy all the way politically. Boom. I just look around at you. Look what's happening right now. People right now want to be slaves, Bernhard. They don't want to be free. They want freedom from freedom. And yet they're the ones saying that we should all go out and be anarchists. They're not actually wanting real freedom. They haven't proven that. And they don't do the work necessary to actually be a being like that. So Mm -hmm. that's where I go. It's only the few that I think would be capable of actually living in that kind of free space and free free, uh, way of being. And you'd end up being a hermit in the end because the rest of the society around you wants to live in chains because we're still programmed. So there's a bunch of specific points that I could go through with that debate. Um, But that's just where I sit with it. Right now, we need some kind of organizational principle. We need it to be based on the rule of law because there are psychopaths and criminals running around. Hello, just take a look at the news every day. Um, And there's also people out there that want power over you. And it's not just about money. It's not just about money. Money's just a means to an end. They want to control your life. And so you need a way to defend against that. Are you going to just have your own little homestead and fight off the communist, the communist party in China when they decide to come and take your land from you? You need something there. You need some kind of way of defending yourself. And then the final point is about culture. Let's be honest. There's a difference in culture, cultures rise up differently under different circumstances, whatever. And I'm sorry to say, but some cultures are more favorable than others if you care about freedom. So, for example, um, the culture in Haiti, you know, I have nothing against Haitian people at all, but the culture, the, the system is there's a lot of anarchy and communism there. What about Venezuela? I just interviewed a really bright young man who fled Venezuela, David Guinea, and it did I saw that. that was excellent. Yeah. He told his story about what happened there. And, um, you know, you, you really just, you compare all these different examples and you go, well, there, there's different cultures. It's just like there's different religions or different belief systems. Like that little Heaven's Gate cult was a culture. The, uh, you know, what, what's some other ones? Like the Jim Jones cult in Guyana. 
was a culture of people. I would say that that would not be the culture that we would say, let's have a multicultural society and, 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 and encourage these Jim Joneses and Walter, what's his names, Matt, and, and all these people to rise up and create their cultures. When you get to that point, you have an insane asylum where nobody's agreeing on anything and it's just chaos and violence and it might as well be anarchy. You need to have at least, it's like if I run a dojo, right? I run a dojo. I go, I go okay, I'm going to give you as much freedom to express yourself and learn as much as you can. But I do have some rules. You know, you're not, you, you better not be groping women and kids because otherwise I'm going to make sure you're in jail for the rest of your life. Um, you better not be coming in here with your muddy boots on. You should show respect to this dojo because I don't want to be cleaning up your muddy boots. And they're like, but, I, but I'm free to walk across your mats with muddy boots if I want. I'm like, no, but that infringes my freedom. It also jeopardizes the freedom to express yourself for everybody else in this class. You know what I mean? Right. So even just in that little example, extrapolate those types of issues all the way up to the political level. It becomes a Gordian knot that even the geniuses of the world weren't able to solve. Yeah. So, you know, it's just, there's lots of ways we can look at this. I personally would say this, be in the world, but not a part of it. Mm. You know, be in the world, whatever system it is, but be free in your mind. Have the anarchy of the mind. First, prove yourself, clean your own room, show some merit, be competent in what you're doing. Don't just live with your parents and play video games all day. Get off your ass and be productive and prove yourself. Don't just talk about theories and draw them on the whiteboard. Prove it to me, right? Let's have some examples. That's where I'll start to respect that. But when people just start going on and on just because it's all this, this whim, like they just want freedom. What I see in them is that they don't want to do the inner shadow work. Yeah. They haven't done the time to look at human psychology, mass psychology, history, and all these different things. So they're just projecting their own psyche onto the world and expecting perfection. And then they're all pissed when it doesn't happen. And yeah. I've seen so many people go down in flames as a result of that belief system. So yeah. I think a little bit of balance in that argument is needed. And maybe I'm wrong and I'm open to being wrong. I'm still exploring it, but that's kind of where I sit currently. Yeah, very well. Now, thank you for those insights, David. It also reminds me also this just intellectual anarchism, which Sri Aurobindo warned about, uh, you know, this this utopian intellectual anarchism. We can argue and all of that have all the rational reasons of why anarchism, but in practical means, you know, really, you know, it, it falls apart. But it's interesting right. about, you know, almost this contradiction. We talked about this before, touch what you just mentioned about freedom and sovereignty. Yes, we don't want to have draconian laws. We want our freedom. But this anarchist principle of freedom, no rulers, you know, we talk about sovereignty, but we're not, they externalize it because they don't have freedom from their own in unconscious impulses, conditioning, mm -hmm. wounding, and programming constantly, yes. like just acting mechanically. And that goes again back to the age-old philosophical debate of free will. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? It's a coming true, my true capital self, you know, this true sense of this true essence, you know, that's aligned a unique expression of the divine working through my personality and ego consciousness. But there's all I can see myself, you know, this doing a lot of self work, a lot of stuff we react to. It's very mechanical. There's no freedom, right? Within that from our programs, from conditioning, especially when we project it externally. I even see from a basic psychological perspective, a lot of people who hate government and project out externally or even this Trump bashing, all of that on 
on a very basic level, they have daddy issues, father mm-hmm. issues, like psychological authority issues, because extreme anti-authoritism, and I'm not taking myself out of the equation, is like it's a very like childish reaction to some childhood wound where the father wasn't present, you know, or has some childhood wounding and whatnot, and then reject all authority. All authority is bad, That's but not right. understanding that there is a necessity for true leadership, Right. Mm. And yeah, like, and, and, that, and that's supposed to be, that's the, the anima and the animus thing, you know, the, yeah. the archetypal forces that in all of us. I did a really good show uh, with Laura Lee Scaife on my show about the underworld cycle. Um, I've talked about this with Michael Tessarian on Unslaved many times as well. We've done lots of work on this. Um, the, the idea that, yeah, freedom is the ground of your being, but there's a difference between freedom and liberty, right? Mm. And think about it. The, the libertines, the history of the libertines, this is where communism comes from. They're libertines. They believe in liberty. And then the Masons and the Illuminists of the 1700s, they go, oh, yeah, liberty. We want liberty, fraternity, and all this kind of stuff. You go, what are you talking about? When you really define it, um, there's freedom and liberty. Liberty is what you get when you're on a ship and the captain of the ship tells you, okay, we're going to go up to shore You've got a few liberties to go out and have a couple of drinks with your mates and pick up a couple of supplies. And then you're back here by 9 p.m. or whatever. You have the liberty to go out and get a little bit of freedom and then come back. That's not freedom. That's liberty. Freedom is something that's the ground of your being. It's the basis of who you are in your mind, in your consciousness. Then it's all about how do I work with others, right? How do, we, how do, I, how do I work? As in the German philosophy schools, they have the Eigenwelt, the Mitwelt, and the Umwelt. And these are the different spheres that you operate in as an individual. You know, the, the, high, the thinking, the, the, the consciousness element, the public social element, um, the, the spiritual element, and all these things. And it's all based on the natural principles of nature. It comes out of German ideals. And um, so the idea is the balancing of those forces, not the rejection of one over the other, and this copying and pasting, it's to recognize that all these forces exist within us. And we, we must balance out this individual and the collective. Now, again, about culture. The West, in terms of our civilization, was unique in the world that for the first time, we tried this new experiment where we elevated the individual as the prime pillar of our civilization. And what that meant was that a mob cannot show up at your house with torches and hang you on the tree in your front yard just because you are different from them. You're protected as an individual, as long as you're not violating the law, to pursue your own interests and to pursue your own thriving and success in the world without having this authoritarian hand of the government. So when, they, they, when people come in and these Marxists and these leftists come in and critique capitalism, they're not actually critiquing capitalism because we don't have it. We don't have a free market. We have the illusion of one. And even the illusion of one is still better than everywhere else in the world. So <laughs> in terms of producing actual, uh, getting people out of poverty and creating a better life, that's why everybody's coming here and not fleeing to, I don't know, Saudi yeah. Arabia. So um, there's, there's clearly a difference in culture because if every culture was the same, then we would see migrations happening equally around the world. Why is it like that? Why is everybody pouring into the West? It's because we have more freedom here than anywhere else. And we could have even more freedom. But we can't have that freedom when we're constantly hampered down by our politicians opening up the door for every new culture and ideal to come in and giving it equal status so that now we're all competing to survive. And then now it's to the point where they're actually promoting concepts that fly in the face of Western civilization and the principles of freedom. They're actually yeah. working on the half of the enemy. And then the final point I'll say about Trump, he gets a pass 
because he's not a politician. He doesn't come from that cloth. He doesn't come from those places. He was somebody that was an entrepreneur and he, you know, he became a success. He didn't want to run for president. This, you know, team of military people and people within the government in Washington that were patriots that wanted to see an end to the swamp and the slime, they actually talked him into it and convinced him to get into that position. And he took on, took it on and he's using the art of war and game theory and all of that. And, you know, he's done some really good things. Um, but he, the only reason he was capable of doing that is because he wasn't a politician. Exactly. You know, I got very little time for politicians, to be honest no, with you. Yeah, he's not but a career people politician. People that come from, without, from outside, the average person or person, people that uh, operate on a merit-based idea and that aren't afraid to speak their mind and are in there to shake things up, which is what we need right now. Um, you know, they're, they're different. They're cut from a different cloth. So that's why, you know, I'm not saying I'm... I'm a, a Trump worshiper or I'm hundred percent on everything, but there's things that he's done that I cheer every morning for um, that I've never thought I would ever see. And that you would never see from other politicians and we haven't seen yet. So you kind of got to look at it from that perspective and then just do the research and then conclude for yourself. And I think we're close to being able to see uh, what's what and what, what really has been going on very soon. Thank you so much, David. Excellent. So let's take a, um a break and then go into the the second hour. And then second hour, I want to also get more into like, yeah, uh, talk more about Trump. Q. He has a, had a very interesting talk where he said that he may he literally said this may be the last time you see me for a while. So I want to kind of decode that yeah, speech. It was yeah. very interesting. I want to talk to you about more also like a very a topic that has come more prevalent, which needs to come out, but it's it's quite dark and disturbing. It's the topic of pedophilia, child human trafficking, and and what's happening there. Right, that needs to be exposed yes. as well, and talk about more. Uh, um, you know, wherever it may lead us, you know, on a philosophical, esoteric, and, and spiritual level, and psychological level, and uh, want to talk to you more about some uh, of the um, the censorship and whatnot that's that's been happening, especially on social media, Twitter, and whatnot. Um, but again, for people who want to find more about your work, can you just share your websites? Yeah. One stop place, go to dwtruthwarrior.com. All the links are there. You can get there to unslave or unslave.com and just go right there. But yeah, all my social media and all the work that I do is linked onto those websites. Excellent. I'll link it below as well. And again, if you're interested uh, interested to hear more and enjoyed that show, feel free to sign up to my membership at veilofreality.com and it will give you access to the second hour, to all the archives of the podcast, all second hours. And also access to the membership forum where we go deeper and discuss these topics and also have weekly Zoom calls. Again, at veilofreality.com. And we'll be right back. <laughs> 